You're listening to Kindling Conversation with Siobhan Hunt, part of Kindling Kids Radio. Kindling Helpline is brought to you by 13Sick, National Home Doctor Service. 13Sick is Australia's largest network of home visiting doctors. So if you need urgent medical care but your GP is closed, make the call to 13Sick. Mothercraft nurse Chris Minogue has over 30 years of experience helping families with their small children and babies. Today we've got an Easter special because it's a long weekend and we are actually in the magic of radio somewhere far, far away. Hi Chris, how are you? I'm really well, thanks. So I'm sure there are more than a few families who have a rather large stockpile of chocolate following Easter weekend. Have you got any advice on how to deal with that stockpile? Eat it. Eat, you eat it as a parent? Well, there's that. I, I'm in the eat it. Um, I think it's a really difficult one because you can control what you give your children, but you can't control what others give your children. And, and if we're talking about little people, like, you know, under twos, they, they don't understand what regulation is. They just see food, eat food. They're in that mindset. So Especially I, when it's chocolate. I think as someone giving chocolate across the weekend, I would first ask um, the parents of the children they're going to give, is it okay to do that? It's probably too so, late though because Easter's already happened at this oh, point right. in magic radio land. <laughs> so let's just assume you've had men, like I always do, just Being random strangers give us <laughs> give our kids. Many. Yes. Uh, I would in... I would probably stash it away and give it out in small bits right. as treats. Because I've got to say, my daughter has a rather good memory about what she's had. Some people say, oh, you know, they don't notice yeah, if we but just I take would a teach few her. away. I would teach her. Yeah, but we're not going to eat all of this now. We can have some today. So choose two things you want to eat today, selectively, that the two small things you've given her to select from. And and then just bring out, you know, when she's been good, put it in a treat box, bring it out and say, now you can have another bit. Mm-hmm. So I think she's old enough at the tender age of five, <laughs> she's old enough to navigate um, the rules around the behaviour you're looking for. Whereas Arlo, being a healthy little three-year-old, he sees food, wants food, much yeah. harder to to sort of... And especially now he actually, Darcy never used to do this, but Arlo will always open the fridge door and he'll go yeah. into the fridge and try to get food out of the fridge. There's a fridge lock. Is there? Yeah. Writing, note to self, <laughs> get fridge, fridge lock. lock. Oh, he would It's a fridge lose. lock. He can put it at the top. He would lose he it. He would yeah. get so cross if but you can get a the fridge. fridge lock. Um, the other thing is, you know, he is... Three now, if I remember. Almost three. He'll Almost three. Soon. So he's getting close to that age where he can understand that that's his box in the fridge and that's her box in the fridge and I'm allowed one thing out of that box and another thing out of that box. Lots of parents also smash all the eggs into one box mm. so they can take bits of the egg out Ooh, instead of the whole clever. egg. I yeah. like the idea of that. You're listening to Kindling Helpline. It's a special Easter edition. Um, so unfortunately, we're not taking calls right now, but I am asking Chris the question that uh, I think many of us want to know right now. So, Chris, uh, many families will be away for the holidays. Have you got any tips on how to keep your baby in a routine when you're in a different city or town? But 
I'm particularly thinking from the perspective of those who have an older sibling. So two and a half, three, needs to get out, wants to explore. How does a family manage that with a small baby? So it's really difficult. So if we look at small babies being babies under one, you know, where they have a regular sleep pattern. And the thing I always start conversations when I'm talking to parents about travel is that the baby's not on holiday, it's just moved house. So then we look at where we're going and what we want to achieve. So if we're going down to grandma's on the beach and we're just spending five days down the coast on the beach with grandma, I don't think it's too hard to keep a baby generally in its pattern. If we go much further afield, so we might be flying somewhere and staying with people that we're consciously aware may not have children. I think that's the most difficult one um, to navigate through is you have to realise that the more you compromise the baby for others, the more you have to fix when you get home. So the odd sleep in a pram in the morning while we go and go for a walk or look at the shops and then home for an afternoon sleep, it's not going to muck up the routine. Multiply that by five days, pretty much the baby's learnt to do something different. To do something different. So I use a one in three rule. So every one day that you might be out doing something, you spend two days at home putting it back into basically the rhythm. Then mm. another day out, then another day at home. So would you would if it was like a road trip on a long weekend, are they yeah. pretty safe in mixing it up or Yeah. On a road trip it's pretty safe to mix it up. I think you're fine there. I think the actual hardest one to navigate is we're driving from here to Grafton and it takes nine hours or whatever it takes, seven hours. How do I get the baby's rhythmic pattern? So it's every two and a half hours you have to stop for between an hour, uh, between half an hour and an hour. So it makes a seven hour. Oh my lord! Nine hours. <laughs> I think that's that I harder to, to negotiate. Yeah. But if I use a one in three. Yeah. So one day we've gone out and we've done things and we've visited people and we've been out for morning tea and out for lunch, even if we've got home in the afternoon. The next two days I'm sort of working around the baby and then I go out another one and that pretty much will meet people's needs. And I think people are also unaware that people are accommodating to babies. They know their babies. They don't expect them to be out all day every day. Mm, mm, exactly. So you were just mentioning if you're visiting people who don't have a child, and I know that long weekends are a time when you've just had a new baby. It's often the only time you can go to visit family interstate. Yes. Um, And and oftentimes it is family who either don't have young children or their children are older. What are some things that parents can keep in mind when it's a very new baby, let's say in the first six weeks? I think um, that... The parents of the new baby need to realise that the people you're going to know it's a new baby, know it cries and know that it wakes frequently. So I think um, once you get there and say, for instance, you have a baby who's just in that unsettled phase overnight when they're very young, you just say to them, look, you might hear us overnight, but she's just a bit unsettled at the moment. And I think that as long as people are aware, they're amazingly accommodating. And I think as parents, we fix it too much at the sake of the baby. So we overfeed or we don't settle like we used to because it might wake someone. And then five days later, we realise that actually the behaviour we have now stems from that mindset, not from the reality of taking the baby there. 
And if some people are listening and thinking, you don't know my family, Chris, <laughs> they really don't know. They just want to cuddle the baby and they don't know. Because I, I do remember let that... Them, let them cuddle it around a, around a feed time instead of around a sleep time. Okay. Yeah, that's what I meant in, in terms mm. of, I know that when I had um, my daughter, the first time when yeah. being a new mum, I was very conscious of um, trying to keep her in a routine. And yeah. I think... Outsiders might have viewed that as being a bit too controlling. Yeah. Do you know how to – have you got any tips on how to navigate that kind of relationship when you're sharing a space with another family? I think the first thing, and this isn't easy for first-time parents, is to be confident with what you know about your baby. So to be confident and say, I know she needs to sleep for a period between feeds or taking her to a quiet room to feed and then bring her out for cuddles. And that's just a confidence game. With your second child, you're much more confident. You just say, no, he's going to bed, and off you go, and you put them to bed. So in the first six weeks, does it make a big difference? Probably not. Between six and six weeks and 12 weeks, when they're waking up and they're much more wakeful, it makes a difference. So I think it's easier to navigate around your own parents, much harder to navigate around maybe in-laws that may not have had children around. Um, and I think you have to make a choice. If you've made the choice to go to Perth for four days um, to see the in-laws, then you've made a choice to say, we're happy to bring our baby, but this is what we need around that. And that is that we're not going to go travelling all day down to the markets and out for lunch because the baby's just too small for that. And it's only a short period of time. The next year when they go, that baby will be running everywhere for that whole day. So I think it's partly a confidence game. And that only comes with time because you've got to experience it, as you know. You've got to experience it to know what's going to happen. And the other part is that some people, I tell some people, where you just throw your hands in the air and when you come back, you're going to be doing a lot of work. And some people are happy with that. They're happy to know, okay, I'm just going to lose it for four days, but when I come back, I'm going to spend the next week putting the baby back into its pattern of behaviour. You're listening to Kindling Helpline, a very special Easter edition where I'm putting some questions to Chris. I think many of us are asking ourselves. We aren't actually in the studio right now. This is Radio <laughs> Magic right here right now because it is, of course, the long weekend. Chris, it is starting to get colder in many parts of Australia. And I'm just wondering, in particular, this is very specific, but I know that uh, when a child moves from their cot to a big bed, um, yeah. often they've been in a sleeping bag or something yep. like that and then they get in a bed. I know my son now is bigger than any of the sleeping bags we had, but he still kicks off yep. the sheets and the doonas. What's your advice in that instance? Okay, so one is that children are warmer than we are. So we, do, we perceive them to be cold, but they're not cold. They're pretty much at that age when they're going from a cot to a big bed, two and a half to three they're sort of ready for that and they understand cold and how to navigate it. So the things I would look around is um, putting them, say, for instance, in, in the cold, putting uh, flannelette pyjamas on them so that we physically know that they're warm to the best of your ability. A singlet, flannelette pyjamas, socks, another really good one. I tend to put flannelette sheets on the bed so at least they're on the warmth as such. Kids, if they're kicking the blankets off, are hot. So if they call out in the middle of the night and say they're cold, it's just a matter of putting it back on. 
But I do tend to believe in the sheet and a blanket because the weight of that stays down a bit easier than a doona that's a bit lightweight and can fall off the sides of the bed because it's not tucked in. So boys, I think, run hot, as you know, (laughs) and uh, girls, they're a bit more sensitive to it. So I'd probably think of dressing them appropriately for the weather conditions and also, if all else fails, heat the room up a little bit before they go to bed. Well, Chris, thank you very much for your time today. That's a pleasure. That's Mothercraft Nurse Chris Minogue. She'll be back next week from midday answering your questions. Kindling Helpline is brought to you by 136 National Home Doctor Service. If you or a loved one needs urgent medical care but your GP is closed, make the call to 136. That's 137425 for a bog build after hours doctor home visit. You've been listening to a Kindling Conversation podcast. We'd like to reach as many parents as possible and you can help us by giving us a review wherever you downloaded this episode. It means that more people can find us. I'm Siobhan Hunt. See you next time.